Welcome to Today on Broadway for Friday, December 1st, 2023. I'm Broadway Radio's Matt Tamanini. It's December. We are here the last month of the year. So much going on this month. Between the holidays, a bunch of things opening up on Broadway. Should be a really, really thrilling month. I'm here with you solo today. Grace and I's schedule were uh, a little all over the place, and it really wasn't a huge day in terms of theater news. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna run through what we did have. And then after that, I have an interview with Liz Richardson, who is bringing her show Unconfined to 59 East 59th, starting on December 6th. The show is called Unconfined. It is a one person show in which she plays three different people, all real life people that she interviewed that had connections to a man who spent 18 years on death row. And while, as we talk about in the in the conversation, normally when you hear setups like that, we're talking about somebody who was wrongfully convicted and sent to prison for a crime that they did not commit. That is not the case here. Instead, Unconfined asked the question about how much someone can be rehabilitated, how much somebody who has done monstrous things can change and can grow and can be a better person and whether or not that is actually possible. So it was a great conversation. Of course, we will also have information in the show notes on how you can see Unconfined starting next week. But first, let's get into the news. And the big thing yesterday is that the Tony Awards Administration Committee met for the first time to determine eligibility for the first 10 shows that have opened in the 2023-2024 Broadway season. As a reminder, they give us information on anything that has changed from opening night uh, listings and how everything is credited. So if they don't mention anything in terms of acting, anybody above the title is considered in a lead category. Anybody below the title is considered featured. The 10 shows that were discussed are Grey House, Once Upon a One More Time, Here Lies Love, The Cottage, Back to the Future, The Shark is Broken, Pearly Victorious, Jaja's African Hair Braiding, Merrily We Roll Along, and Gutenberg. I will run through the major ones here. Brigitte Heelan and Justin Guarini from Once Upon a One More Time will be considered in their respective leading categories. Also, Ariel Jacobs will be considered in the best performance by an actress in a leading role in a musical for Here Lies Love. Both Eric McCormack and Laura Bell Bundy will be considered in the lead actor-slash-actress categories for The Cottage. Casey Likes will be considered for best performance by an actor in a leading role for Back to the Future. Those are all things where people who are not above the title were bumped up to lead. Conversely, we have both Daniel Radcliffe and Lindsay Mendez, who will be considered for the best actor and actress in a featured role in a musical categories from Merrily We Roll Along. They are above the title, along with Jonathan Groff. Groff will stay in the lead category. These two will move down. There were a handful of other uh, design changes where people were determined to be able to be considered jointly. So if you want to check those out, we will have them in the show notes. Next up, we've recently been talking about the new dance musical, Illinois, which will feature the music by Sofiane Stevens and will feature a book by Justin Peck, who also directs and choreographs, along with Pulitzer Prize winning playwright Jackie Sibylis Drury. That show will begin performances in January at the Chicago Shakespeare Theater before coming to Park Avenue Armory in March. Well, yesterday they announced the complete cast. Including in what they're calling the Dance Company are some favorite Broadway names, including some of my favorites from So You Think You Can Dance, Gabby Diaz, Robbie Fairchild, Craig Salstein, Ahmad Simmons, Ricky Ubida, and others. They also announced a fairly sizable band to go along with it, including vocalists Shara Nova and Tasha Vietz Van Leer. This production is set around a campfire as dancers, singers, and a live band lead audiences on an epic journey. As we've talked about before, 
the Illinois concept album from Sufjan Stevens that this is based on includes everything from looking at the people of Illinois, the landscapes, the history, as well as UFOs, zombies, and predatory wasps. So fascinated to see what this looks like on stage. All right, let's move off Broadway here. And coming up starting on January 30th at the Signature Theater will be a production of Dominique Mauriso's Sunset Baby. And yesterday they announced a cast. The show will include former Broadway radio guest Russell Hornsby, Emmy nominee Moses Ingram, and J. Alphonse Nicholson. The show is set in East New York and explores the relationship between Nina, played by Ingram, and her estranged father. A former black revolutionary and political prisoner, Kenyatta reappears to claim a piece of Nina's late mother's legacy. While he had visions of changing the world, his daughter became everything he feared. Now Kenyatta's at her mercy for his own redemption. Anything Dominique Mauriso writes, uh, another former Broadway radio guest, by the way, is worth seeing. I love Russell Hornsby both on stage and screen, so this should absolutely be at the top of whatever list you have for shows early in the year. Yesterday, we also got news that an all-new version of Shrek the Musical will depart on a cross-country national tour beginning on February 24th, and it has been kind of reconfigured by the show's original creators, Janine Tesori and David Lindsay Abair. Apparently, they have taken a new look at the show to deliver a more intimate and engaging experience. It features direction and choreography by Danny Mefford. And this reimagined production, quote, brings the show back to its roots, giving it a new kind of love, emphasizing the importance of loving ourselves and one another. In the show notes, we will have a complete list of everywhere the tour is going. It starts on February 24th in Utica, New York, goes all across the country, and as of now, ends up in August in Toronto. It is hitting a couple places here in Florida, so I might try to check that out in April when it's here. All right, that's all the news we have. I have a couple of recommendations. First, Sarah Bareilles was on the Today Show. She performed She Used to Be Mine in preparation for the Waitress film being released next week. And then over at Marilee, we roll along in a really, really cool moment. 42 years to the day after members of the original company recorded the original Broadway cast album for Marilee, we roll along, 10 company members visited the show. They had a nice little moment where Jonathan Groff recognized them from the stage after the show. Daniel Radcliffe had one of the original sweatshirts. If you know the show, it said old friend on it. A bunch of people signed it. They auctioned it for Broadway Cares. So much uh, cool stuff happened. So we've got uh, videos of that in the show notes if you want to check it out. All right, that is all that we have for today on Broadway. Uh, follow us on all the places at Broadway Radio, me at BWW Matt. But now I'm going to send you over to my interview with Liz Richardson, whose show Unconfined will run at 59 East 59th from December 6th through December 22nd. All right, Liz, we are just, I guess it's just a little bit about a week away from the first performance of Unconfined at 59 East 59th. This is a show that is based in a true story, but kind of has, uh, it branches off from maybe some of the things that happened um, to the person in question. So for people who haven't seen the press releases or any of the social media posts, can you give us just the elevator pitch about what the show itself is about? I can. Yes. Um, it's, uh, it's based on true events. So everything in the play happened basically. Um, it, but it's seen, what we're doing is we're seeing it 
the the transformation of this particular prisoner on death row we're we're sort of discovering his journey through the eyes of three different people and uh <clears throat> one of them is a, a, an american academic uh <clears throat> professor another one is a british painter artist and then the third one is a fellow prisoner so i play two women and a, a man and um <clears throat> these are based on real people i interviewed and uh <clears throat> so it's really about how they they through their connection with him start to kind of um transform themselves if you like they're transformed in a way by his transformation uh as a as a as a human being i mean he becomes a, an extremely good person he becomes an excellent artist and uh, a kind of a spiritual uh, goes on a, a very profound spiritual journey and that's kind of what the story is about seeing him through their eyes and how that's how that deeply affects them and changes and changes their lives sure how did this story come to you? How did you get involved in wanting to tell it? Obviously, these three real life people that you are portraying, their lives were impacted by this person. But I would imagine that so was yours in uh, probably different ways that would make you want to embark on telling this tale. Right. Well, well, <laughs> I mean, I have to say, I didn't seek this out at all you know like sometimes you know as an actor or writer you sort mm -hmm. of say oh you know i want to write this kind of story never never crossed my mind about the whole world of prisons and that that world and everything um it, it, but what happened was i received a a kind of a binder of beautiful paintings really heartfelt letters uh, beautiful handwriting uh and I was kind of a little, to be honest, I was sort of stunned by this material. And I thought, well, this is amazing. You know, someone on death row for 18 years, you know, uh, and I just kind of, I just sort of went, wow, this is such an extraordinary story. I have to explore it. And so then what happened is I basically just started contacting people who knew him, started interviewing them and then the kind of the next level of it was that everyone I interviewed for, for about two years, it was, said they really, really wanted this story to be told. So they, they didn't hold back. They gave me his letters. They gave me, you know, they, they were just really, really, it sounds crazy, but they were completely passionate and open and really, really thought it was an extraordinary story themselves and so their enthusiasm and their kind of um you know passion for it completely kind of woke me up and i went wow okay this isn't just me kind of looking at some nice drawings etc but i realized this was a much bigger situation than i had envisaged envisaged and you know uh and also there were there were many people like this so i thought well this is really interesting and that's kind of how it happened and then of course through the process of writing the play i you know i had a lot of material a lot of interviews and then uh i found a, a dramaturge my wonderful dramaturge partner who and we 
through the process narrowed it down to the three characters that eventually became the play. You said you did a lot of interviews and most of them were very uh, forthcoming, not only with information and materials, but also were very enthusiastic about you telling this story. Was there anyone who was on the other side? Was there anyone who said, you know, I understand the draw of this, but maybe this isn't the some the type of person that you should be celebrating? No, I mean, I have to be really <laughs> honest about that. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I totally get your question, but that never happened. I mean, maybe, I mean, it's just the people I, you know, I happen sure. to contact. Um, but no, that was what was surprising. I mean, honestly, as I say, I wasn't looking for this story. And if if someone along the way or several people had said, oh, no, you, you know, you didn't write this. Um, I, I, you know, who knows, I may have <laughs> thought about it. Too, but I was so taken by their wanting it, their support and their wanting it told, you know, wanting really feeling that this was an important, an important story to get out there. So that's that's kind of how it happened. That's the honest yeah. answer I can give you. You know, I didn't have any anyone say anything like that. Of course, I'm sure there are people out there, of course, but yeah. I, I didn't happen to run into them. <laughs> well, I mean, it, I, I think it's interesting. So often when we hear stories about people who have spent this much time on death row and, and their stories are being told, generally it is because there has been some sort of um, – mitigating evidence that have came to light that proves that they weren't guilty. But in all of the press materials, and again, I don't know the details of this story, but the press materials start with by saying, can a young man guilty of a terrible crime? So I'm assuming based off of uh, what I'm seeing in press releases that his guilt or innocence is not in question. Um, and yet everybody that you're saying, like you just said, think that this is an important story to be told. So, Fortunately, I would imagine that there is some positivity to this story because often, again, like I said, a lot of these, you know, true crime stories and documentaries and, and things that we hear about is about somebody being done wrong uh, through the criminal justice system. But here it sounds like somebody has taken the opportunity afforded them through the criminal justice system to make something better of their lives when it obviously could have gone a much different way. Absolutely. I mean, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, and that's very astute of you to notice that. That's exactly it. He was completely guilty. He never denied his guilt. And, uh, you know, he never even asked for forgiveness, except there is something in the play where he, you know, he sort of asked for forgiveness in a way from the people he killed. Uh, he was with a partner, by the way. It wasn't just him. Um, but, um, yeah, that that that's... Um, Absolutely true. And it isn't like, as you say, a true crime thing or, you know, we're wrongful conviction. I know there's a lot of that. And that's a very interesting area in itself. But it's not what we're doing. <laughs> we're actually looking at or what we've done is we, we're looking at the possibility of real that someone well, can someone I mean, that's the question, right? Can someone who um, does something terrible uh, you know, really uncover, I guess is the word, uncover some real humanity and dignity and, you know, uh, strength and within themselves to work within that very difficult environment. And and from everything I've explored, he was definitely that person. And, uh, and 
And that's why he was so, uh, you know, so deeply affected so many people around him, I suspect. You know, um, I don't know if that answers your question uh, correctly. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think to me, listening to you describe what unfolds in the story is there's two ways that this kind of hits me. One is that it puts into a little bit better context who these these people are who are incarcerated for whatever reasons um and rem- it kind of reminds us of their humanity and the possibility that there is still a, a chance for evolution and for growth for even yeah. the people who are essentially cast aside by society but then on the other yes. side i would imagine that the vast majority of people who come to see this show are never going to be on death row, hopefully knock on wood uh, in their case. But (laughs) yeah, of course. (laughs) But you, you ask about the question of whether the people in the most dire of situations who have done something monstrous can find redemption. And I would imagine that part of the, the impact of this story is people thinking of themselves or in their own lives, obviously to a potentially much lesser degree, if they can forgive other people or if they can forgive themselves for things that might be holding them back from kind of realizing that people change and people grow and life goes on and, and there are opportunities to better yourself and hopefully other people maybe that you have written off uh, have done so as well. Exactly. Well, that's a key theme in the play um, is that we have a lot of preconceptions about people and mm-hmm. each of these characters goes through their own journey in with starting with preconceptions i mean who is this guy i mean is he i mean is he bullshitting me is he you know it's all those questions you know his fellow prisoner goes through it his his mate you know goes through it and then the two women the two very different very different women go through but you know so all three characters go through a journey of starting with some kind of uh, prejudice, not prejudice, but preconception about, you know, or, you know, all these questions one has about which one would have about, you know, someone on death row who killed people and who's not denying that they killed someone. Right. So that's, uh, that's why I think it's a very different, I mean, not, you know, I think it's a really interesting story because in a way it's, it's, it's more about, kind of hum, human goodness in some way, you know, and I don't mean that in a religious sense, but more mm-hmm. like, how, you know, do we, are we fundamentally at our sort of core, basically kind of dignified and human? And, uh, you know, how does that humanity, how can that humanity, you know, kind of be revealed as it were? Um, so yeah, it is so, and, and and I think the theme in the play about the prison world, like you know the 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 inhumanity, if you like, uh, of the the prison environment and death row and all those things, they're definitely in the play, but they're they're threaded sort of it's the un, you know they're threaded throughout in the things that the characters see about his life in prison, etc. But they're not, It's as I say, it's not about sort of, um, it's not a documentary about how bad the prison system is. You know, it's just those things sure. sort of pop out, pop out. But they're part of the sort of structure of the, really about these three characters. It's really, it's really, a, 
it's a real theater play, you know, it's not a document. It's not even a, like a documentary theater play. It's a, it's a theater play. <laughs> I don't know. So, how, I'm not sure how else to put that. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I wanted that. To, I, that's actually where I wanted to kind of, of pivot next is that we talked so much about the, the real life implications of this show, but there are many ways that stories like this can be told. And like you said, documentaries, true crime and, and, and prison related things are very popular on, uh, cable and on on streaming services. So why did this make sense for a one person, three character theatrical presentation? Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, that's that's a question I, uh, <laughs> I've no, I've been asked that before in a di- different ways, but um, I sort of say why not? You know, I mean, in a way, I got to know these people very well you know kind of deeply the characters i interviewed you know the people that i interviewed and that eventually i started to write about and i'm an actress you know uh mm-hmm. and uh so uh, it just sort of happened that way and it's a simple show uh, it's not that it couldn't be done is if, if if i'm answering the question could it be done with three people or something of course it could it would be a different it would be a different play but um, you know, and but I, I I could sort of see that happening, but I don't know it. And also, you know, with the play being about trans, you know, in a way, it's kind of it sounds kind of old fashioned or corny or something. Transformation, but it it is about transformation, <laughs> the possibility of change, transformation, whatever yeah. evolution, evolution. You know that things aren't solid; things change and you know adapt and alter and grow and develop and you know someone who does something awful can you know change and become better you know all those questions all those things um so why not have an actor shift and do all those things you know what i mean in a way that's yeah, sort of what, like that. what what's happening in the play you know i'm shifting characters you know i you know from moment to moment it's not like three monologues it's i'm shifting back and forth throughout the whole play back and forth from character to character so it's it's moving, you know, it's moving. It's not uh, monologues, as I say, three monologues. Mm. Yeah. So as you went through this process, not only of doing all of the interviews and going through all of the materials, but also writing. And then as you're getting ready, has it, have you done a production of this show before? Or is this the, the premiere? It It's no, no, it's not. The, well, it, we did the production here in Canada, you know, in where I live. In, yeah. But uh, just for a, sh- a short run, we were supposed to do it actually several years ago with when COVID hit, but then, you know, COVID hit and then we couldn't, we couldn't carry on. So we carried on with the writing, which in a way was a very, very good thing because it sort of, it deepened the script, I think. Um, uh, So this is my American premiere. (laughs) Wonderful. (laughs) Like like my U S my U S sorry, I'm Canadian. Excuse my yeah, language. Not North American. Yeah, yeah. It's my, and it's my New York premiere. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, so as you've kind of gone through this process, did you find your opinions changing and evolving as perhaps the characters you play did? You talked about how they went in with preconceptions and then presumably since they wanted this story told, they saw themselves change and and how they looked at things did you find yourself going through a similar arc through the creation writing and performance of this show 
Yes, I, I think I'm, I'm actually feeling it more now that we're, I mean, I'm in rehearsal right now here in Halifax mm -hmm. and I'm, you know, we, we leave in four days for New York. So uh, I'm kind of right in the thick of that. And uh, yeah, each time I, I look deeper at what these characters are doing and where they came from. And, and it, it does make me, I do think I've been changed in some way by it. Um, I think it's about, as I say, kind of opening, seeing beyond the way we, you know, we, we're so quick to judge people, so quick to sort of project on, I guess I would say, project onto people. And so I, I guess I've noticed my doing that more since, and in realizing that the very, not by not doing that or, or trying not to do that or recognizing that tendency in oneself, some magic can happen, which it did for this, this, this person and these three people. So by being more open and not sort of just being so quick to leap in and, you know, judge people that that's kind of, it sounds like such a small thing, mm -hmm. but I think it's actually the root of many, a lot of problems. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, no, I, I, no, I think that's actually kind of a, a, a wonderful message to kind of keep in mind at any point, but maybe even especially during the holidays, um, where yes, redemption yes. and forgiveness are are things that we uh, maybe maybe think a little bit more about at this time of year. Well, and that kind of leads me into the last question, and and I'll, and I'll wrap up here. This is a show coming to New York, as you said. It's uh, American, not North American, but American and New York <laughs> premieres. Um, but it's coming in in the middle of the holiday season. It is running. Um, throughout December, uh, from December 6th through December 22nd. This is a time when a lot of people who are going to the theater might be saying, oh, I want to go see A Christmas Carol or or The Grinch or something like that. Why is this a show, do you think, that people should should seek out during this time of year especially? Mm, mm, interesting question. Well, uh, they could do both. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they absolutely could. You're right. And they should. Uh yeah, they should. Um I think it's a moving story. And I and I do think it it is a time of year when you know, and with so much going on in the world right now, with so much tension and you know, fear and aggression and everything. I think it's actually a very positive story. And actually by moving, I mean not sad moving, but sort of um you know, good moving. It's it's sort of mm -hmm. it's it's sort of about possibility, about possibility, and that and fundamental. You know, uh, as I say, humanity and dignity and wakefulness and um, all all that stuff. So, in a way, actually, you've just you've just kind of really pointed it out. It is actually a good time of year to do this show. I I hadn't thought about that, but. It actually is. I think it would be a really good show for people to see right now because it, it, it's, it, I don't know, I guess I can only go on what the responses have been so far. And they've been very, um, very positive about in that, certainly in that area. And people really have been, audiences so far, I mean, have been very affected by it and, uh, you know, touched by it in some yeah. ways. So I just hope that continues in new york that that response uh, and uh yeah 
so I think it is is timely. Thank you very yeah. much for pointing that out. <laughs> that's that's what I'm here for. Um, well, th- th- thank you so much, Liz. I I hope that the rest of the rehearsal time uh, in Halifax is, goes smoothly, and the trip down to New York is uh, is wonderful, and the run is tremendous thank as well. You. But uh, I really am kind of intrigued by. Uh, a, a, a pretty uncommon uh, tale that I think we don't see in theater too often, but it, it sounds like it has a lot to give uh, both audiences and, uh, and and to you as well. So uh, thank you. Thank you again. And we, of course, will have information on where people can uh, can get tickets to the run at 59 East 59th. Well, thank you so much, Matt. It's been a, a delight talking to you and, and uh, thank you very much. Yes, I I feel it is a good story, an important an important story. Yeah. <laughs>